We're that imposter syndrome uh, that is well-documented kicks into play. <laughs> They're waiting for that, I know you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> hey, it's David, and you're listening to Leadership Without Losing Your Soul, your source for practical leadership inspiration, tools, and strategies you can use to achieve transformational results without sacrificing your humanity or your mind in the process. Hey everyone, welcome to the show. So excited in season seven here, we've kicked off this series about how to partner with your HR, your OD, your learning and development teams. And I am delighted to introduce you to our guest today. Dan Kermaski is the Director of Training and Development for University of Florida Health Jacksonville. Uh, Dan has a huge number of people and a great team, but a huge number of people that he and his team are helping to support through their training and development programs. And there is so much available for you if you have your internal L&D team. And that's why I'm so excited to have Dan here with us to talk about how leaders can best partner together. Dan, thank you for being here on Leadership Without Losing Your Soul. Ah, Thanks, David, for having me. So I should uh, tell you, listeners, uh, Dan and I have known each other, worked together now for a number of years. Uh, Dan, uh, what's your earliest recollection of how that got started? Actually, a colleague of mine, I'd say former, because he's moved on to to be a director of training and development with another company, actually not healthcare related, but Jeff Galonic is actually who introduced me to you. He had started working with you and Karen, I think primarily with yourself on our clinic side. So it's been probably now four years. So Jeff introduced me to you. So Jeff, if you're listening, thank you. <laughs> Shout out to Jeff. Absolutely. Uh, it's And it's been uh, an awesome partnership and the work together through Winning Well, and, and you have integrated a lot of Winning Well into your leadership development and, and training coaching programs. And we'll talk more about that. I know once... Once the height of the pandemic is over, I know you've got a stack of Courageous Cultures books that are just waiting for, for our readership and uh, in our book club, <laughs> yes. and we'll, we'll get some good some program content going there too. So Dan, as we kick off, I ask every guest this question, and I'm going to ask you to take us back to your first memory of yourself mm. as a leader. Ooh. My mind immediately went back to when I started playing soccer. Uh, when I was playing soccer in elementary school, it was a recreational soccer league, very similar to those recreational soccer leagues across you know the United States. And this was in the late seventies or early eighties, and I remember playing defense. I was a defender, at least I gravitated towards the back. And when I ended up being moved up to midfield, I started to realize that in that middle space. I had influence on the players who were the strikers or the forwards, as well as those who were defenders or defending, you know, the goal. And so there was something that clicked for me and I was like, huh, wow, I can influence both sides of this. And so that's my earliest recollection. Oh, I love that so much. You're you're making me go a couple different directions. One is I have my own soccer playing experience and I only made it to midfield one or two games. I think for the most part, I was always in the back and some great leadership lessons from all of that. But you're also making me think about the leadership that you recognize there, your ability to influence things in every direction from kind of that central position and how much that has carried through in your career now. 
and the the L and D, the learning and development, training and development work you do, is a similar kind of thing where you're have able to have influence in a number of different directions. Yeah, that's that's correct, and you know it's humbling as well as exciting. That's uh, that's the reality of influence, isn't it? It, it sh- I hope for all of us that it is both humbling and exciting at the same time. So, you know, the name of the show is Leadership Without Losing Your Soul. And obviously, subtitle of, of Winning Well that you're very familiar with. I am curious from your perspective, when in your career, in your experience, when you see leaders lose their soul, what does that look like? And why do you think it happens? The busyness, the busyness bubble the reality, uh, the myth of multitasking, of trying to do everything all at once, or at least believing that there is such a possibility to be successful at doing that. I think that kind of myth or the possibilities of leadership that people aren't prepared for. I know I've read and like to to reflect back on, I know Harvard Business review over the years has has looked at how prepared people are for their leadership roles when they first get into those roles or when they are promoted into a next level. And it's always so fascinating to hear the the, the low percentage of people who are either prepared as in had some kind of formal training or are ready for that next level. Often it's, you're really great at your job. You're a really good subject matter expert. Congratulations, you're now a leader. And what's missing there is then all of those elements about both the foundational realities of of leading people, ability to to have good sense of, of your emotions, aka emotionally intelligent, and so forth. But I think leaders get overwhelmed because they get promoted into situations either early on. Also, people have learned some really unhealthy and ineffective behaviors. So they come in with a lot of things and the pressure of wanting to be successful. I know Michael Watkins, a couple of years back, uh, had written that book about the first 90 days. Mm-hmm. And he's done a lot of great research into leaders being unsuccessful and the general overwhelmness of it, being unprepared, not understanding the culture of the organization that they're either have been promoted from within And then when they're getting into that leadership level, understanding what does that mean in terms of how well you are integrating into the organization in this new role, especially if you don't have the skills to start with. I mean, that's where I know things like what you and Karen had developed out of hard knock lessons, but also really grounded realities that between winning well uh, and then, of course, with courageous cultures uh, built on all of these different skills and tools and and realities that are foundational. There's so much that you're you've touched on there, and as you're listening to the show, I, I hope you're hearing the themes that are coming out from our our professionals in these arenas. The tendency for leaders to get overwhelmed, and the time burden, and the busyness, and so forth, and all of the cascading, the domino of factors that happen, if we're not aware of that, managing it and intentional 
about the connections we're making, the alignment with our values and the culture, as you mentioned, so many different aspects of that. So dear listener, I hope you are listening and saying, okay, I have got to remain aware of where my time is going, how I'm managing it. it there's all, you know, we've, we talk often about there is uh, infinite need, finite me. Oh gosh. So, you know, having, <laughs> yes. having that awareness, <laughs> knowing your MIT and that sometimes that MIT is, is going to be the connection with your people, not just, you know, whatever the three tasks that you might try to simultaneously multitask your way out of. So, yeah. I mean, who doesn't want to be successful? Uh, clearly people, they get tapped, they get rewarded for behaviors that got them there, but ironically, those aren't the behaviors they need in order to actually be a leader. The fact that so many leaders, you said you were surprised by it, I am always shocked by it, so many leaders put into positions without the skills or training. And so if you're listening to this and you, you know, obviously you're listening to this because you want to invest in your own leadership development. So you're maybe not among this group, but you probably statistically have had that experience as you're listening today saying, yeah, gosh, I was put in that role. And it's fascinating to me, Dan, as you're saying that, because we would never put someone in a technical role or even a customer service role without teaching them how to use the, the cash register, the computer, the, oh, yeah. the scanner, whatever yeah. the technical <laughs> sure. element is. And yet companies, we frequently, we will put people in leadership and management roles without equipping them with the skills to lead human beings, which it's a fascinating assumption and oversight that. Oh yeah. And then and what's so interesting is then people, other leaders of leaders sometimes will be either uh, flabbergasted or dumbfounded by someone sharing that they feel like an imposter. You know, the very person that they've just promoted either does have enough relationship and can be vulnerable and transparent enough with that individual or someone who's seeking out coaching with a trusted coach or confidant, then you know, people shouldn't be surprised where that imposter syndrome that is well-documented kicks into play. I mean, just, yeah, <laughs> they're waiting for that. I know you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> when will they find out? Yep. You know, that whole, that whole reality. So, <laughs> Absolutely. Well, let's get into some of the solution for this is obviously the work that you do. And we appreciate you being here to share some of this with us. So I want to ask you to tell us uh, kind of at the 50,000 foot view about your role, what it is you do and why you love what you do, because I know that you love what you do. That's one of the reasons I've asked you here. Yeah. As a person, you know, in a director role over training and development, I get an opportunity to uh, work within an organization to determine and identify the direction and the effort that is being or going to be uh, invested in for the company as a whole, you know. And how does that really translate down? Well, it begins with the work that you're doing. So, whatever industry you're a part of, uh, as you're listening to, to our conversation, you can insert, and in my case, it happens to be healthcare. And so starting with 
what is the work that you do? And in our case, it's healthcare. And then within this arena, how and where are we going and what are we trying to achieve? Obviously, in healthcare, it's pretty straightforward. We want to care for patients. We want to heal them as best as we can. And if we're not able to heal, we want to at least provide comfort. Grounding what we're trying to do from classic new orient, new employer orientation, but in in our and, and then in our cases, you know, once we go through the onboarding, then we're trying to figure out well, how do we once we've got you on and in and plugged in and oriented, how do we help you strive in your job? And in fact, in our case, we use that uh, phrase "striving in your work" not as a program, not as an acronym, but just you know, metaphorically, how then once you're in it, how are you striving? How are you developing? What are we doing? Not in a shotgun approach, because often people can fall victim to kind of a shotgun approach like, yeah, you know, everybody needs this, this, and this, rather than saying with who we are, what we're trying to do as a business or a company is what we're using and doing to invest in people really where they are and what they need. So Dan, what is it that you love with that overview? What do you love most about training and development? What is it that lights your fire? Curiosity to help people. I know that sounds very very cliche, but the opportunity to offer something that could unlock like a key or, and begin that journey of making it available. I don't know. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. (laughs) So I I say for myself, obviously I'm passionate about specifically leadership training and development, but learning and development in general, there are those moments where that light bulb comes on for someone Yeah, and it's transformative. And to be a part of that journey in someone's life, I find to be very rewarding. And I know having worked with your entire team, you know, there's that, that energy and passion around that, that happens. So it's it's a cool, you know, it's a really interesting too, because whether it's frontline staff or leaders trying to bring forward some tools at the right time in the right space, and then getting out of the way but not being hands-off as much as to facilitate that. Yeah, it can be incredibly powerful. Obviously, it's very rewarding. But in the end, how does that outlive you and just take on its own momentum and, and life within those people that you're working with? I love that. And there's, a, there's definitely a leadership analogy there too, in that it's not about you whatever work you're doing and the team you're leading is ultimately you're not there for you. You're there for them and for the work that you're trying to do. (laughs) And the influence that you have and this, I know has got to be rewarding as you said, is that the, the ripple effect, the longevity of it, that it, it's not just the change that's happening for that individual. It's the impact that has on their work, on their team, on the patients in your case that are being served or the customers in other contexts, right? It, it just goes out and out and out. And I, it's- well, yeah. And it goes back to that earlier question you asked about the approach and training for training's sake is, you know, it's, it's, that's very contradictory, but training with purpose and a need being met 
an empowerment that ultimately comes from that is powerful. Helping people to change their behavior is not trying to exert or force something onto people. It's providing the right environment, the tools, and then letting them really workshop it. And obviously that's what I think any team leader who might be listening is is and thinking about partnering with their training and development team and, and department is looking for is we need to change behavior. We need to achieve some outcomes and we want to avoid doing what you were just talking about. We're going to avoid spray and pray. We want to be targeted and do it in a way that is meaningful. You've given us several hooks there as leaders are listening to think about how to best partner. I want to flip it for just a moment and see if you can describe for us, and maybe this can be a good vent session. What are some <laughs> of the what are some of the common mistakes that leaders make when they're partnering or maybe not partnering with their training and development teams in their organizations? What are some of the common mistakes that you might recommend listeners like, hey, if you're listening today, yeah, don't do this. That's not going to serve you. Well, don't just have a blank invitation out there to say, hey, come to training and development, we'll just provide training. We actually have a, a training request intake form, nothing you know, out of the ordinary, but often training functions will just be like this open door or try to be like, yeah, just come and talk to us. Whereas we set the stage. So the first thing is, is helping leaders know what it is that we want them to be thinking about ahead of time. What are you requesting training for? What have you already tried? What goal are you trying to achieve? What data, what information do you have if you have been trying things already? So we really front load that so that we avoid some of those common uh, field of dreams type of training approach that, oh, well, you know, they'll just come and we'll just figure it out. Or they haven't tried anything. Also, leaders can fall victim to the idea that a human resource function like training and development is going to be the magical people who do it to their people. You know, if we'll just put them on that HR, we get with them and have training and development do something, they'll just go through and then they'll get that new thing installed and they'll work better. You <laughs> it's know? like they're going to wave the magic wand. and Yeah. Or, or yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that's I, definitely a mistake. I, for sure. I think the, the way that I would put that, I definitely see that frequently. So just to encapsulate what you said, there are two common mistakes. One is not thinking through specifically what it is that you're looking for, what you've already tried and doing that. And if you, if you, listen to what was on Dan's intake form that they use in their organization. You can do that thinking for yourself, whether your organization has that form or not, to think through those things and to, to best leverage your training and development department. And then the second thing that you were getting at is what I would call the abdication of leadership responsibility. Absolutely. Which is, it is... <laughs> It is a partnership. And as a leader, if there is change or development or growth you're looking for in one of your team members, as a leader, that is your responsibility. Your training and development team, if I'm hearing you correct, Dan, can help, can help equip, can impart skills or knowledge or understanding or any of those things. But where the rubber meets the road in the performance of their work 
And in the day-to-day coaching and the day-to-day leadership, that's your job as a leader. And so, well, yeah. And, and, and with that intake form, what ends up happening is we just do a consultation. We meet with whomever is requesting something. We use that initial intake as a starting point and then have that conversation. Great. So you unearth different things, no disrespect to the request. The, the most common request we get is team building. And for those of you listening who are coming from a training and development background, hopefully maybe a smile just went across your face when you heard me say that, but, you know, training and development, you know, yeah, team building. And once we will sit down with them and start to go through those intake questions, what we begin to find are a couple of different possible avenues. One, a leader could be falling victim to the idea that, oh, you know what? My version of spray and pray is I'm not really having a meaningful conversation. I'm not providing real feedback to this one or two members of my team. So I'm going to go ahead and train all of my team, hoping that those one or two people are going to get the magical message. Yes. Rather than have, (laughs) rather than saddle up and have the performance conversation. Absolutely. You're going to train the whole team. Oh, definitely. And here's how that undermines a leader's leadership or one way it undermines it is that it doesn't take very long for, say, for example, it's a a team of 10 and the training and development uh, department goes down that garden path and trains those 10 and the other nine or eight are in the room going, I know why we're here. Yep. And I'm looking at that person across the room, or I'm sitting next to that person. And why on earth can't our leader lead? Why can't they talk to this individual? Because this is punishment. This is training by punishment. So mistake number three, <laughs> we had one and two. If mistake number three is trying to use training and development as a replacement for the accountability and leadership that you ought to be exercising yourself. And so often, like there would be a perfect example that if we've done this intake form, it's not a switch and bait for a leader, but it's a great opportunity to say, how comfortable are you with your coaching and feedback? We usually back up one step and say, tell us about your one-on-ones. How are they? And then either that's a cricket, cricket moment where they go, well, I talk to my people. Yeah. So let's talk about that. Are they actually scheduled? You know, it could be weekly or biweekly or once a month. You know, we don't necessarily dictate to people what we think a one-on-one frequency could be or should be so much as that we will just back into it and say, how are your one-on-ones? And when you've provided feedback to this individual, then there's that special where they, they go, well, and so it's not that we're trying to switch and bait, but now we're starting to get to the real heart of leadership development, which is where is the leader within that that continuum of neophyte versus or all the way through to ninja mind meld, uh, <laughs> Jedi mind tricking, which of course is a complete crazy exaggeration. But the point being is that- then, I was going to say, I want to take the uh, Jedi yeah, mind me too. leadership course. I have been, I've been looking for the Obi-Wan, you know, but anyway, um, well, the point being okay. is on that continuum. So you just gave us a fourth item ultimately, which 
when you're thinking, as you're listening today, listening to Dan talking about training and development, learning and development, and you're thinking, all right, so I got to be prepared. I got to know what I'm going after, all right? Uh, I want to make sure I'm doing that. I'm not going to use training as a replacement for the accountability and leadership that I need to be providing. I'm going to partner with my learning and development team and still exercise the leadership I need to get. I'm not going to expect them to wave a wand and, and change somebody. I'm going to partner because that's part of the journey for any of us. But then number four, what you just said is that as a leader, there's a couple things that I'm going to unpack here from what you said. One is I need to be willing to be learning and developing myself. And that having that conversation when something isn't going the way that we would hope it would, we need to be open to our own growth in that moment. And that's part of, and kudos to you, and I, I know that you do this, it's, it's from our conversations and what you just said, but kudos to you for having that conversation and exploring and unpacking that a little bit so that you can figure out, all right, where are the opportunities here? And that may be uncomfortable if you're listening, going, well, I just want them to fix this person. Well, you're in a relationship, a leadership relationship. And so what responsibilities do you have? What opportunities do you have? So your willingness to invest in yourself that way will translate and help your whole team to do that as well. Well, yeah. And think about the winning well model. Are you falling into the, the pleaser leading mode? Are you flat out falling into the manipulative? I mean, so there, there's that whole unpacking, you know, during that consultation, do we pull out that tool? Not necessarily. Sometimes we might, if we're getting a sense that the person is unclear as to where they are falling, then sure, there's a chance to then begin, aha, the coaching portion of this. And this is something I know, David, we haven't talked about uh, until recently. I think I've alluded to it in some of our, our correspondence and, and, and the like. But, you know, we're very fortunate to have our leadership team believe enough in allowing us to, to create an internal coaching center. And so we have an internal, we're building out our coaching center with the idea of, you know, several organizational development specialists who are then, as they're doing these intakes, as well as just working with leaders at large, you know, unpacking that and then seeing where they are with respect to their journey. And they're obviously seeking something. And then that's where tools like, you know, the Winning Well, the Playbook, Courageous Cultures, and others. I mean, there are other tools, obviously. I mean, that's the beauty of it is that, there is a broad and big toolbox. So start to figure out how can we explore that? But of course, asking for permission to coach. And that's where the coaching center has developed. It's part of, aha, it sounds like you might need some coaching. Are you open to that? You know, where do you want to go from here? You know, we don't force ourselves upon anyone. We're not saying, you know, that you're a horrible leader, you're a bad leader. We're saying that there could be the potential here for some coaching. Where do you want to go from here? And I would hope if you're listening and you ever have a conversation like that with your team and they say, hey, there's an opportunity here, 
take advantage of it. My goodness. So we are at the end of our time. We could, and we do, Dan, when Dan and I get going, we can talk about this all day. <laughs> but so just to, to, to recap about some of the ways that you can best partner with your learning and development teams to do the prep work, to be focused on the outcomes that you're looking to achieve, to make it a partnership, not a magic wand, realize you have a role to play too, and the vulnerability as a leader to model uh, your own learning and development and to be open to your opportunities to benefit from that as well. You do all of that and you're on your way to being the leader you'd want your boss to be. Dan, thank you so much for being a part of the show today. Really oh, yeah. Thank it. you, David. I mean, I love it. And what a great chance to to spend time with you and talk about the subject that we both obviously are committed and passionate about. So, yeah, great. Thanks. My pleasure. Until next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.